content warning. We do discuss sensitive topics, including suicide in this video and podcast, and there is brief profanity. If you're having suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255, or visit their website at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, I've got a very special guest. He is hot off of making his second Olympic team uh, for the United States in the 100-meter fly. He's an Olympic champion. He's a multiple world championship medalist. Today, we have the pleasure of sitting down and talking to Tom Shields. Hey, everybody. Great seeing you, great talking. We just talked about how how hard of a meet trials can be. Um, how how are you feeling today after coming off of that meet? Um, good. I think you know today is Thursday, so it's been a good minute. Um, I think like every time you come off, yeah, six or seven days like that, it's just hard to reconnect to a week. Like you know, the weeks so are just kind of um, getting on track of what day it is and getting back to my daily routine as quickly as I can, um, whether or not I'm training. You know what I mean? Like just kind of get into a rhythm and a flow and connect back with my life is always um, a good move where I feel like, yeah, I mean, this time that side of things isn't as hard because um, I'm, you know, made the team. But when you're on a break or whatever, I feel like um, you can kind of like get lost in this like crazy new environment um, personality. wise. So, Yeah, it definitely makes sense. I hear you there. Um I, I want to, you've been through this journey before. And so I kind of want to get your thoughts and reflections. And I wanted to start with um, the 2016 Olympic games and just coming off of that. Did you, did you experience, you know, a lot of people call it an Olympic hangover. Um, but did you have a, have a, have a come down or a low after that meet after, you know, such a high of making the team and then getting to be at the games themselves? Yeah, I think, um, <laughs> everyone's going to have their own experiences with that. Right. So mine in 16 looked a lot more like, you know, I didn't really want to be a prelim only medalist. I feel like a lot of people quote unquote look down on that or, you know, it's one of those unspoken things that's kind of spoken a lot behind their backs. So as soon as I became one of them, you know, everyone's like, Oh no, it's great. But it's like, I've been in the sport long and I know what people mostly think of us. Um, and it's kind of the weird spot because it's like, yeah, like it's kind of like catching the bullpen. You, you know, you get a World Series ring, but I just kind of served a role. And yeah, I technically earned that right. But it's like, is it really worth having a gold medal in my house? Like, so I still feel to this day, like really weird about that. Um, so I'm not the only guy. And there's a lot of us in that spot that, you know, that's as high as our career went. And it, for me, it was kind of hard because it's like, man. I'm really proud of that and like a testament of what it means to my career and like how I handled trials in 16. But um, for me, it's like not the coolest thing I've done. It's not even close to the best swim I've ever had. Like I swung and especially that prelim for the fly specifically, if you're in the final um, in the, you know, the normal prelims finals uh, setup, that means your prelims in the morning or mid afternoon and you're in your individual final that night. So the other three guys in the relay are done. So they're like, Hey, they're going to take care of you. You just kind of do whatever. So I kind of swung like a 51 high. 
um, which is, you know, nowhere near what I'm capable of, um, quite obviously. Right. So it's kind of weird to like, you know, when you, when you go by the numbers, like the swim that specifically got me my gold medal is kind of like a whatever swim. Um, but I mean, that's sports, you know what I mean? Like that's, you know, you, you play a role. And I think the only reason it's hard for guys in that spot, um, the more and more I, I age, it's like, well, it's, it's because I wasn't in that spot ever before in my life. Whereas like, you know, um, I swim for myself mostly throughout the mornings in NCAA just because personnel number wise, and never, I, I, I was always in the water anyways, but um, I think, you know, a lot of guys swim in the mornings for the guys who are, um, you know, pretty good um, at NCAAs and at Pac-12s or at, you know, these other international meets. It's like the only, you know, time I faced that where I was the guy in the morning was the Olympics. So it's kind of a little humble pie, um, you know, so in the morning for Michael and, um, I, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but, you know, this year would be for Caleb. Um, they're pretty good. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm not, it doesn't hurt my feelings. But it's just, it's just this really weird spot to be in. It's really hard to talk about. Um, emotionally because like not that many people find themselves in this spot so it's really hard to relate you know what I mean like I could talk to Tyler uh, McGill <laughs> like that's about it because like even Crocker was you know able to uh he he found plenty of wins throughout his career so um it, you know as I've talked to him a little bit and I don't know him half as well as you know, McGill he's just a little bit older than me but um, he gets it, but he's also just kind of like, he's a world record holder. So like that era of butterfly was different in the United States, obviously. So it, there really isn't that many of us <laughs> when you really, really think about it. <clears throat> so it's just this weird, weird spot you find yourself in where you're like, I'm stoked, but am I? And now for like the rest of my career, like everyone's just going to know that. And it's like, I'm way more proud of um, personally, like feel accomplished. And like, I, you know, when you look back at, you know, it's selfish obviously, but when I look back at my career, it's like, well, I kind of wish that they knew about this swimmer, that swimmer, like, you know, other things that I think are pretty cool. Um, and that's just not how the world works. Like, and everyone kind of attaches to the games. And for the most part, like to the, to the lay person, it's like that, that's good enough. Cause they're not going to care enough about swimming anyways, but like within swimming, you know, now I'm just kind of painted as this like, Oh, prelim only medalist, which is true. I mean, it is probably the, you know, the highest accomplishment I've had in this sport, but um, I don't know, especially the short course stuff for me specifically. I'm like, hey, like, this is pretty cool. And I, I'm not, that's going to be, you know, whenever I bring back to swimming, it's like I lament how small potato short courses seemed like because, um, and this is every country. And I think the last time I was on this podcast, I said this is like, you talk to the Brazilians and they're like, oh, no one really cares about short course, but we know we really like it. And you talk to the Russians, same thing. You talk to the British people. It's like, oh, you know, we, we grew up swimming short course, not that much long course. So most of our development stuff, short course, you know, we really like it. And the Australians are like, oh, you know, we know the long pool is really important, but we really like the short course stuff. And we do this, this, and this. And it's like, man, everyone's swimming short course and everyone likes it. So we just say like, it's part of the sport at this point. Like, <laughs> and obviously in the United States, we do it in college. Um, so yeah, whatever. So, so throughout that next, sorry, I'm off practice. Yeah. Yeah. He, Tom is kind enough to join us just after practice, um, leaving for Hawaii for training camp on Sunday, I think, uh, or, you know, some, sometime early next week. So he's sitting down with us. He's chatting. Um, so over the next couple of years in, in 17 and 18, you know, from, from a, from a layman fan swim fans perspective, it's just kind of like, well, they did really well at the Olympics. So I assume they're, they're going to just keep doing well and keep doing well. And oh, yeah. I, I, right. And, and people don't realize how much work goes into that and how much emotion you have to put into training to be an elite athlete. Um, yeah, yeah. So especially coming off of the games with, with that prelim, you know, I'm, I'm this prelim only 
swimmer mindset. Um, did that manifest in your training or your motivation at all? Yeah, absolutely. I felt like in 17, I'm like, Oh, now I have to be something. Whereas I, I think like before the games, I, like in 16, I was like, cool, whatever. This is what I am. Like, I'm just a dude. Whereas like, you know, you make the teams and you get this huge ego. Like it, it, I didn't, I don't think it infected me super hard, but I was definitely trying to like be something quote unquote, like, Oh, now I'm this, you know, whatever everyone looks at me, which is true. Like everyone's kind of noticing you more because you made the team, but um, and it, it almost like infects your brain. You have to like fight that. Um, I've found like uh, it's just ego stuff. And it, it, it doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? So you, you go like, especially as like a defending Olympic qualifier, or whatever that means. Um, I'm like, oh, now, like, you know, I have this like legacy. I was like, no, you don't. Like, no one cares. You know what I mean? Like, people like care because they, they saw you make a team and like they either like you or don't like you. And you're not going to change that. You know what I mean? Like, how if you swim bad, they're going to like you. If they like you. And if you swim good, they're not going to like you if they don't like you. So um, you just have to learn to be okay with that. Or I have to learn to be okay. I had to learn to be okay with that. So, yeah, like, especially in 17, I'm like, oh, like, I didn't make the team. Like, how embarrassed am I? Like, I got out and prelims in the 200 fly again um and i think that was good for me like immediately you know like eight months later and just be like oh yeah like no one really cares <laughs> you know what i mean like and that in a good like as a good way like you know the people who you know the guys who i uh uh i don't use the f word here but like the people who f with you like the people who fuck with you are the people who are gonna fuck with you and if they don't fuck with you they're just not going to so that's not going to change. And I think that's the best lesson I learned from that. Um, and just kind of like got over myself. So I had, you know, five years later or whatever, like heading into trials again, I'm just kind of like, whatever, you know what I mean? I'm just swimming, like um, keep it simple. And like, yeah, I mean, 18 was fine. Like I thought I swam pretty good. I just, you know, missed a couple of touches here and there along the way, especially in the 200, um, which happens, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's what, like, especially like, you know, everyone's like, oh, this quad was so hard for you. Like, blah, blah, blah. You had missed every team. And I'm like, dude, but like, look at my 16 meet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I felt like I owed a couple of touches back. So I was never like too bummed about it. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good point. That's good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, so, so you missed the team in 17 and then, and then, um, I mean, leading into 18, just, just from a, from a day-to-day perspective, not even focusing on making a team, but I mean, did, can you compare the motivation you had in the 15, 16 season leading up to the Olympics, you know, compared to the motivation you have of, I really want to perform at my peak or, or achieve X goal heading into, you know, a pan pack trials in 2018. I think I was almost like way more disciplined and motivated mm. in the lead up to 18 but the caveat being that only started in December or January. Mm. Um, you know, I, when you like, that's what's like dangerous thinking in quads. Cause like now that I've looked back, it's like, Oh, I took, like I got back in October of 16, trained a little bit went 43, whatever, went to short course worlds, did pretty good. Then like pretty disciplined. Okay. Disciplined through that trials. I think I swam pretty good there. All things considered. Um, and then I kind of trained on my own, went to the World Cups, and then I got uh, really sick again. And I've, I've gotten really sick a couple times in my career. And so then I got surgery in like October, November of 17. Um, my first full, full week of where I could say like, I lifted three times and swam nine times and none of them were like 
mm-hmm. just doing what I can coming off surgery would be January. So like, yeah, I wasn't doing that in 14, 15 and 16. You know what I mean? So, and then in, you know, the fall of 18, we'll get to that if you, if you'd like, but uh, yeah, that's where I tried to, you know, I, I had gotten a big concussion in August. I was supposed to go to the world cups and I was like looking to be pretty disciplined. And, you know, after 18, like I missed Pampax or whatever, but I stayed in the water. It's like, that's two weeks. So it's not really that long. And then um, I had like, I have vasovagal syncope um, or I get it sometimes. I, I don't know how to describe that because it can happen to anyone. Um, it's like anxiety driven around traveling specifically. Like, this is like certain little markers that I need to learn to work for, look for. Now that I've learned, like I need to get to the ground and like, squeeze my legs, squeeze my glutes and like just kind of hold because that's going to push your blood out and keep your blood pressure high enough. If you struggle with this, go talk to a doctor. Don't listen to me. But from my interpretation, it was like, I freak out. So my blood comes into like my organs as I'm going into shock. And then I know I'm freaking out. So I slow my breath down to try and relax. And that makes my blood pressure drop. And then I faint. And I'm already pretty low blood pressure to begin with um, being an athlete. So that's how, that's how it's been explained to me. But in 18, it happened a couple times in my life. Like in AP bio, we were watching a pregnancy and it's like pain sympathy is another big trigger. So it's like, um, you know, watching, not watching a pregnancy, watching a birth, sorry. (laughs) And so I was just out and I like fell out of my desk. That was like the first time it ever happened. Um, But in 18, I, I was out of my feet. And the first thing to hit the ground was my head. So I got a pretty big knock. Um, where I was out of the water and pretty messy for a while. And then like a month later, um, you know, I, I tried to hang myself. And so uh, just from a training perspective, I know this is a long answer to your question, but um, I wasn't really in the water. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there was no weeks there where I was like, I was in the water the whole week. That being said, like I tried to hang myself on a Wednesday. I'm lifting and swimming on Friday. Um, we had kind of figured out by that point, just with how hard the being in the water consistently through the concussion was. And like I was just saying, like, um, like after the games this year, like, cause I know how I am and I know me specifically and the ISL is coming up. Like, um, I'm going to take a day, maybe take a, a couple days, maybe go camping, go diving. But, uh, I want to be in the water pretty quick. Not because like, I care about my goals or like, you know, I don't even know, like, let's say I don't have that. And like, I have maybe short course worlds or just maybe world trials next year. And that's what I'm looking at. I'm still going to try and be in the water that first week back. Mm-hmm. Um, or working out, even that's just lift and bike, just because I know for me, like, um, I'm not the first person to invent this, but routine and schedule is like very good for my life, right? Like, um, I can go off the deep end pretty fast, whether that be um, substances or, or depression or, or whatever, right? So, um, you know, I, I'm almost 30. It took me a while to kind of figure that out, but it's like taking a couple of days to just keep it up because so much is changing through that first couple of days off, it's like, okay, just do push-ups or, or get up, like force yourself awake. Like, cause like, like, especially in 16, I noticed that like, if I'm just going to the beach, all doing whatever. And by that time, you know, I was still a whole ass adult. Like I was 26, 25. So like, it's like, cool to see your friends on the weekend, but then there's like five days in between where like no one's available. <laughs> you're just kind of <laughs> like, what am I doing? Man? And it, like that, like I, you're surprised. I, I was so surprised how quickly like eight weeks can go by. And I'm like, oh man, like I haven't done anything. And so it's like, well, and that's when I, I found like, well, I just work out in the mornings. And then you kind of have that like latent morning period to just kind of like, okay, well, what am I doing? And you kind of get your life organized and you get your stuff together. And you're like, okay, I need to talk to this person. I need to do this. I need to, and like, 
keep these work relationships up or whatever, right? So I don't know if that was a coherent answer, but um, to get to it, no, like that wasn't doing that in 1415 to 16. I was also like, I took two weeks off on my honeymoon, but you know what I mean? It's not the same type of like freedom of schedule. Like you obviously with another person throughout that time, there's a, like, there's a hard date going back to OTC um, off my honeymoon and et cetera, et cetera. So like for whatever reason, like mechanisms in my life, um, pre-Olympics were not the same ever post-Olympics. I think a lot of that is obviously youth or that is, you know, the games after my graduation where the, you know, after that point, you know, a lot of uh, people or, or relationships in your life, like, oh, like they figured it out, you know, they can figure it out now. Um, where I think it, for me, I was a little latent to pick that up. And uh, I'm not unique in that either. You know, I think that this is a sport where, a lot of adults retire or uh, don't do it. So a lot of us are just kind of like keep up these immature habits. And I am no uh, exception to that. And I'm not blaming anyone else. I'm more saying other people do it. So I don't look like bad, obviously, but um, it's a weird job, right? It's a very weird job we live in. I mean, yeah, you said it. We obviously covered a lot of ground there, but I think those were all great points. I mean, that's, um, <laughs> I think to sum it up, this is not easy. <laughs> it's not easy to, to train at an elite level, to compete at an elite level like you've been doing for years and years and years. Um, I've, I've been working my butt off, especially since, call it December of 18, right? When I finally came back, yeah, I, I got involved. Like that was, this is public information, you should look it up. But this is when I got involved in the lawsuit with the ISL and we got to go to London and that was like a big kickstart. So like, hey, I want to actually do this because I was kind of like after pan packs and after the concussion and after the, you know, really weird, like a couple months. Or I can't even, you know, I don't, the days just kind of bled together uh, leading yeah. into my attempt. Um, I was like, hey, man, maybe I shouldn't be swimming. You know what I mean? Like, and then I just got this opportunity and it's like, man, this is, uh, especially with the ISL specifically, it's like, this is exactly what, like, it's not made up. Jack Roach, Brett Hawk and I, in 2011, we were at WUGS and we were like, man, this is boring. Like, I'm in this swim meet and I don't want to watch it. Uh, <laughs> if you've been to Wugs, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you've been to that meet, like I'm a big fan of all the swimmers there, but that's just, it's just like, it's so much to do about nothing. And you're like, what is this? Like a simi at Wugs? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> simis no offense to the meet. No offense to the meet. In 2011, they did. Oh man. Um, and again, I don't mean any disrespect. I'm just like, Hey, we can be doing better. And we kind of came up with like pretty close to what the ISL looks like. And, so when um, a bunch of money comes behind that idea, like no matter what point in my career I'm at, I'm like, okay, I got to do this. And so I'm very thankful for that because um, that got me back, like my head back in the game where I saw like a future for myself. And um, obviously at that point, I, had, I wasn't thinking about the Olympics at all. And so from that point forward, I've been like locked in. I've missed maybe one practice um, from uh, being sick or whatever, being overslept or underslept. Um, obviously like the, you know, the, the huge part problem with me in my career has been sleep um just getting enough anxiety not getting getting enough sleep because of anxiety or overthinking or just caffeine or just out of rhythm out of habit like routine and schedule i'll come to it again i can get it again and again in this conversation that's been one of the number one things for me that i can point to that's easier to talk about like it's hard to talk about um i'm not 
against it, but I, I'm not going to naturally go to in an interview, like the little exercises I do or like the deep seated emotional work that I do with my therapist. It's important. It's just a little bit more private. Right. Um, so, but the routine stuff, like, yeah, man, it's good. It's good. Like, I don't know what my life would have looked like had I retired at, after my senior year or had I never swam. Um, as a kid, like uh, the nine practice or the 10 practice schedule, like really kept me going for a long time. Um, I'm also not unique in that. I think a lot of us can look at like our high school days and be like, man, if I wasn't going to those practices, like what would I have been up to? <laughs> so much free time. I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think every swimmer can look at their non-swimmer friends and just be like, what do you do after school <laughs> or before school? <laughs> like, how do you spend all that time? I would have gotten into some trouble for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you meant, you know, you mentioned routine is a big part. Um, you mentioned, you mentioned therapy and I don't, I don't want to talk about the specific things you work on in therapy, but you've, you've talked about being in therapy before. When was that? When did you seek that out? And can you tell me just about the process of, of just, you know, yeah. being like, okay, I think this might be a good thing for me to, to um, yeah. So when I was getting married, uh, I come from a pretty religious background um, is when I was growing up, super religious. And uh, we had kind of decided, yeah, we're going to use a pastor um, through conversations, arguments with like my parents or, or, or whatever. Right. And um, we were kind of like leaning that way anyways, or maybe like have uh, Dave or Yuri or, or a dude in, from the team or someone in our lives. Um, but then we ended up doing a pastor. Like, I think it was like, let's just do traditional blah, blah, whatever. The reason that's important is he wanted us to do pre-marriage counseling. Um, and we were like, okay, dope. Like we'll do it. But like, why not? Like I'm a very like car broke take two mechanic guy in my head. So I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do pre-marriage counseling, then I'm going to do it with a counselor, like a, someone who does, you know, brain stuff for a living. And so I just kind of, we were kind of looking in our area, like who's the dopest blah, blah, blah therapist. Um, and we found a guy, um, you know, highly reviewed. It was like psychology today. Um, like what you do, you know what I mean? Like what hotel are we going to stay at? What's the highest reviewed hotel? What can I afford? Same thing. Right. Um, so we go to him for a few sessions. We really like him. So we stick with it. Um, like we just found like it really helped our relationship. Um, through like, you know, every relationship has weird spots where you get stuck and we didn't even know we had. And so we stuck with it through like the first year. Um, and this was like 2014, 2015. And then um, it really helped like me and her or me and my wife, Gianna, um, just like with ourselves too. It's like, oh, this is dope, cool, whatever. Like I've never had too much stigma, you know, like too much stigma around it. Like um, I've been to a therapist in high school. Um, my sophomore year, I've had some, you know, depression, suicidality issues. Like it's been a, it's been an issue for me. So I was like, cool, whatever. I didn't really think of it as like related to that at the time. Um, the only reason I brought that up is uh, years go by, you know what I mean? Nothing like, you know, pre-Olympics, I don't really do much. 17, 18, not much. I mean, I guess only three years go by when you, now that I say it all out, <laughs> you just think of like, when you're living quads, you think of like 16 is so far away from 14, but it's really not. Yeah. Um, blah, blah, whatever. So yeah. And then I um, have my attempt and that day we just like, Hey, who do we, you know, who do we know? Like, what can we get help with here? So we called him. We saw him that day. I saw him twice a week, same guy. Um, so that was, he just got really lucky. He's like, Hey, I do this. Like this is a, he's a, you know, marriage and family therapist, but he also does EMDR trauma stuff. I don't know. I don't know the specific mm -hmm. CBT or whatever. Um, these are all things you can Google and read about. Don't 
don't use this as a resource. Um, so it was just like perfect. And so I saw him twice a week for a while, maybe three times a week for the first couple of weeks. And then um, I've been doing weeklies ever since. The only weeks I've taken off were ISL um, in Budapest. It was just like, I felt like I was in a good rhythm there. Um, and it was just like a seven hour time change. And like the meets weren't, like it wasn't the same set pattern every week. So it was hard for me to find times, but I know, you know, through that time period that um, I don't want to do that again. So I'll probably take like the games week off. I took the trials week off, but literally outside of that, I mean, it's been every week it's been um, uh, yeah. So like, I've been pretty, pretty damn disciplined with that. Like, you know, I can only point to a few times where it hasn't worked out weekly and uh, it's cool. So we do a lot of like CBT cognitive behavioral therapy and a lot of, recreation of self uh, rcs or something like that i think that's what he calls it like we don't really i mean he's not teaching me how to be a therapist so you know i mean we're not really like over like this is what this is and this is why we do it and this is the study that blah 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 i don't know but um we it's it's with me he's very um i would call it athletic is how i've used it or how i've called you know um he's like hey look like um so i live right next to a pretty big uh intersection in berkeley so and there's, um, he's really nice, but there's a blind guy who uses his crosswalk here. So it's really one of the, in the city, I'm making this part up, but it really seems like, you know, they're, t- they're looking at where he's walking sometimes. Um, so there's really loud blind, like beep beep right here. And like, it annoys the living hell out of me. I understand why it's there. I don't want it to leave. Um, but it's just like really loud. So like one of the first times, cause he, I, and he wanted me to do this like new exercise thing that he was working on with me. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, whatever, dude, like, you know, like, you know, you're too prideful and too good for therapy, but like, obviously you need it. So I was kind of in that, that mode. So he was like, okay, pick something that just annoys you. That's like not related to trauma or, or thoughts that led to this It's like, just bugs you. And so that I was like, well, this thing happens and it bugs the living hell out of me. So, okay. So we're going to do this exercise. I think we talked about it in your podcast. Once, but it's like, I literally just sit there and do this. So it's like second and a half intervals and attached to like a positive memory. So like a date I've had with Gianna or, body surfing with my friends or free diving or spearfishing, just like, like a really fun time you had and like try and get in that like trance mode and then um don't th- like have like he always says it like imagine you have like a flash drive and in that flash drive is a file with a n- and the name of it is the title of the story of like an invasive thought so in that example it was like the beep beep thing but don't like actually think about it don't put yourself in that moment just become aware that that file exists and then like every like five to 10 of these, and then you kind of blink while you do it. And then you kind of go back and then go immediately back, like do your best to not think about it again and go back to that positive resource. Um, it has some name, I never forget what it is. I mean, I, I never remember what it is. Um, and that's dope. And that is like 98% of my therapy. It's just like invasive thoughts, uh, getting back to uh, my prefrontal cortex, if you will, or you know, rewiring my brain through uh, behaviors i don't know i don't know science um all i know is behavioral therapy cbt rcs those are the words that i'm supposed to say i think that's kind of what i do um but yeah so that's the stuff like i've done emdr seems a little invasive and kind of like hard like i don't know i don't need to like for whatever reason like this whole the way he's explained it let me start that whole sentence over is emdr can kind of like go back and like it goes deep into like traumatic events and helps you kind of like lessen their volume in your head or whatever the intensity through that whereas like the process or the exercise i just described to you has found through some studies 
to do the same thing or similar things without being as um, directly going through whatever traumatic event or invasive thought or whatever. And um, for me, it works. So I didn't need to like have the scientific argument. I'm just like, this is cool. This is cool. It works really well. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much what I do, man. Yeah, so. Which is awesome. And um, again, I think a, a big topic of conversation at trials was mental health and just making people aware of it and wanted to touch on that with you because it seems like you you are aware of it and obviously you are um, doing things to get get your mind healthy which is which is really great I mean I I, I love everything you just said I I want to I want to do this now <laughs> yeah, yeah and the, the interesting thing is like I said I've asked him I was like I don't want to share like the specific directions like if people try it on their own and he was like you can I mean like you're not trained to teach it like he is but like if you share your experience and someone can try it like um that's really all there is to it like it's nice when like gianna's there and she can kind of like squeeze my hands or like he's there so you can like walk me through it but at the end of the day like i do it on my own and it's it's the same thing like it's that is like it and obviously there's other things like i've done other things i've done cbt worksheets or talk through problems with him or learn how to like turn left where you used to turn right in a specific, like highly emotionally charged spot, like, you know, in your relationships at work or, or with my spouse or whatever. And like, of course, that's just like therapy stuff. Um, but for me, it's like, it all comes down to the same thing as like circular thought, invasive neural pathway, whatever you want to think about it. And you're stuck in your reptile brain or, or whichever of those you attach with, and you need to do something to get into your prefrontal cortex and make a decision based on who you are based on who you want, like, you know what I mean? Like who you choose to be and not associate like yourself with those negative actions or negative pathways. It's the same process. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm doing the best I can here to explain something. Yeah. Really <laughs> I mean, that's, that's great. That's, <laughs> I, I love it. And so I love hearing about it. Um, so I want to jump ahead a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you, we get through two seasons of ISL it's season two. You, you looked phenomenal in the water, you know, yeah, I, think, thank you. I, th yeah, I think you uh, told me, yeah, it was one of the best seasons of swimming you've had. Period. It was, like, it was very surprising. I mean, after singles all summer. And I think that that just kind of goes to show something that I've had on my mind since 2018. Cause in 2018, you know, I kind of like, I, I went and I learned from Urbanchek and I talked to all these people, you know, I've been, did it, you know, I've done a couple camps with Bowman and, and that like American system. And like, obviously I've been a student of dirt in my whole life and everyone's always going to be like, have an answer, which is good. I think coach, it's coach's job to have an answer and have a plan. And like through their experience, all three of those coaches or every single coach I've ever talked to has had a ton of success with it. Mm -hmm. So they've kind of like, you know, a lot of coaches have their own theories. A lot of them overlap, obviously like, Oh, resistance training, aerobic, blah, blah, blah. blah. Like it's all the same thing. Yeah. But uh, I think one thing that this summer proved is like, none of us know a hundred percent. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I lifted four times a week, which I don't do. I rode my bike two to three times a week and I did single swims from whatever it was, March. So six months. And obviously like I had been training really well before that. Like I, you know, 51 high 138 in February, um, long course, hundred fly, short course, 200 fly in San Diego. So like I was in a good spot for sure, but for six months we did that. And then I go to, we did like two to three weeks of like normal schedule. Cause we got back into Cal and, 
August. So I guess four or five to maybe six weeks. I might be lying on that. Uh, I don't know, but whatever. It was a slow build up. And then uh, we go to Budapest and like, I have that season and like, I shaved for all of those for sure, but that's six weeks. And I was able to drop a full second in the hundred and two full seconds from where I started out in the 200 and it didn't start out very slow. So uh, it was surprising. I didn't expect that. And it just kind of goes to show that, I, yeah, I think that like we worked our butts off in the summer we weren't just like going to the pool doing whatever. And like, if we had two hours in the water, then, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, specifically, they were hard, but like Wednesday and Saturday were recovery practices, but you needed them to be like, we, like, you know, I was, I was doing, you know, two hour lifts out here on the balcony. So I wasn't just sitting around, but um, it's just like goes to, you know, talking with Dave after that, it just kind of goes to show that like, we get these like paradigms, like you need nine or 10 swims a week, or you need to do this. So like you have, it's like, I mean, you just have to go fast. And that's one thing that Durden's really good about is like, whatever the circumstances are, we're going to figure it out. That's always been his attitude. Um, you know, even if we have like the ideal training week at Cal where we go, you know, the, the double single, double single, double single, um, or that week where we just go six singles. Um, you know, he, he created a paradigm, he got a plan together and that's to his credit, like hundred percent. He, you know, he found the pools and, and all that. Um, you know, th- th- there's a large reason we swim well and I swim well specifically and it's Dave and Chase. And, uh, when we picked up Roman, um, it's those guys, you know, those guys really made it happen. And those guys who, who, you know, got us to the pool every day and, and made it available. But, uh, you know, we showed up and we slammed and, you know, we weren't all together. Like I went like five or six months without, um, seeing, you know, half the mid D group, you know what I mean? Like I was over at a different pool for most of them. So, uh, you know, I got to see, you know, I was swimming with Sally and Zach Eden and Grisha up and a couple other guys, uh, Trent, a couple of guys were split in time just based on like, their house schedule and stuff coming up. But uh, yeah, I think it was a couple other people. I mean, we were the sprinters were on the other side of the pool from us. So that's kind of was our little group. Um, and then most of the other mid D guys are at this other facility. So uh, yeah, um, it was kind of weird, man, but uh, just kind of, again, I, I can't drive the point home enough. I don't still think that, you know, I think COVID has shown that a lot, like through the theories of swimming fast or like the theories of, who's in control or who's at the wheels. Like, Hey man, uh, no one's at the wheel <laughs> of like this entire country. Uh, that's my opinion at this point. And um, everything that we, you know, we don't really know, sorry, I have grapes in my hand. We don't really know um, anything. You know what I mean? We just, so uh, it's a good reminder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, the, a huge learning curve process, I think, like you said, throughout the COVID year, um, so, and, and then you go to ISL, you, you're like, all right, I'm, I'm doing well, I'm swimming fast. So then how does that influence your approach to these trials? Um, especially knowing what it's like to be on, make an Olympic team to go to a games, um, and, and knowing that ISL season three is soon to follow. Yeah. I think for everyone's different. And so some people like blow themselves up. Right. So it's like, okay got to be confident. It's got to go my way. Like I really want it to go my way. Um, and at least like publicly and forwardly and to my you know, network and to my coworkers, that's how I'm going to be. Um, I don't mean to say that's default, but that seems to be the default. That seems to be how a lot of people are. Um, where I know it kind of bugs my coworkers or my wife or my coaches. Um, Cause I'm definitely not that way in my head. You know what I mean? Like I'm kind of like, ah, it's probably not going to happen. You know, we'll see. And it's kind of like protecting yourself, right? Because, like, obviously you want to go. But I'm like, there's been parts where I don't even want to go to the games. like, Or, like, I'll say something like that. You know, I just want to train and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, 
it's, it's a protection uh, mindset. Obviously it's immature. So I try to keep it to myself or, or, you know, the inside circle of guys who I know can handle me being kind of, you know, myself or, 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 you know, the guys who are there for you. <laughs> and um, I have plenty of them at the pool, the coaching staff, my wife, like I, I'm, I have no shortage of that. But um, for me, that's definitely how I've been. I, I, there's a couple of guys, you know, um, I don't want to out them too hard. I think Tony's been pretty publicly like this for a while. So uh, I think Irvin is this way 100%. Um, and I, for me, it just works. So it's like, you know, even at trials, it's like, ah, you know, we'll see how, you know, like just kind of like keep it open. Like, oh, we'll see how it goes. Like obviously odds aren't in your favor um, until a certain point when they kind of were. But um, we'll talk, we can talk about that a little bit if you want. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of my attitude. And like, for me, I think in 16, I didn't really have a plan of what I was going to do if I didn't make it. Like, I think I maybe just quit. Um, I don't know, because short course world is right around the corner. So I just, it wasn't, like, I, I can't tell you I was thinking about that at all. And I think that put a lot of pressure on the meet where now I was like, you know, we had like a 10 minute Zoom call with Durden, like every single person does. He runs it through like a three day period right after NCs. It's usually, usually once in the fall and once in the spring. Like, obviously I talk to Durden every day and, um, you know, the plans can shift and change and we text and we talk, blah, blah, blah. But like in that 10 minute meeting, it's like, hey, what's the next six months look like until the next 10 minute meeting? And in that meeting, you know, we spent like, I was like, hey, look, let's spend five minutes on what it looks like if I make it and five minutes on what it looks like if I don't. Um, and I think for me, that was perfect. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I know I have somewhere to train. I have a plan moving forward. Obviously the ISL, the World Cups and, and potentially short course worlds, you know, they're saying they don't know how they're going to pick that yet, but um, they're that saying roster it. always seems like a mystery. Yeah. Well, especially in the year zero, like uh-huh. I'm not throwing any stones on that. And I, I've gotten pretty upset before. Um, it, it's difficult when they leave the fastest American ever home um, in that event. Um, I'm not the you know, only American that's happened to, I don't claim this is personal and, and they understand my frustrations. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm airing any dirt here. Like it, it's, it's a, it's a tough spot. Cause of what are you going to do? Like have a short course trials. We don't ha- like, no one has short course meters times. And yeah. the biggest drama this always is, is the hundred I am right. It's like, how do we enter this event? Uh, it's going to be easier with the ISL. I'm hoping because more Americans are going to have short course meters times, but in 18 or 16 or 14, it's like, Hey, look, three of you have official times. Fino wants official times. They don't want us to enter yards or they don't want to do a subjective picks. They did let us do that in 16, but now they're going to shy away from that a little bit more. So whatever. And that's not my world. That's them. I know it's hard spot. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to say anything too, too negative about people who I love. And I think are, you know, the best supporters of us in the world at USA swimming specifically, but um, it's been frustrating. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, like 18 in 2010 and I didn't go at all. And in 2012, I didn't get the 200 and it's just kind of like, it's frustrating, but um, I'm not, I'm not the only one it affects. You're good. Uh, sorry. My wife's sneaking by. Um blah blah whatever but um so we don't know what's going on with that um right so like hey let's keep that in our back pocket we have the isl so like we'll take a week or two uh not two like a half a week or a week and then get back in the water if i don't make it which would be today right um i'd be back already basically and just kind of start moving through um oak club day is going fast because they have a short course meters pool over there it's really easy and uh, getting ready for the ISL. So, or make the team and that's kind of, that's easier. <laughs> like schedule wise, <laughs> like that, those aren't my decisions, just do what they say. So um, it was good. It was a really good meeting and it really helped me like settle my brain and be like, okay. Like, cause the, the hardest part of these trials meets for me has always been like, 
well, my fucking, I'm sorry, my program leaves. You know what I mean? For the most part, like Cal's still here and, you know, Chase left in um, 18 and the guys took a break or um, the since then, like, you know, like Durden is gone or uh, Chase is at Wugs. Like the summers are hard at Cal for that reason. Like we're a very successful program. And um, for that reason, it's like, especially in 19, it was like, man, we have like three to four different meets depending on um you know the three american meets and the and then the foreigners kind of mixed in around there and it's like we have like over th- almost 30 guys swimming internationally so it's like kind of hard to keep all these plates spinning for the coaches and i we're very thankful for them but uh when you don't make it you're kind of like well like the spirit of the group i've been working with you know what i mean like uh ryan selly um josh nathan myself and um, the foreigner pros, like well, after American trials, it kind of goes somewhere else. So you're kind of like, well, what am I going to do? And I've been there enough. And um, so I just like, I want to have a plan together and uh, you know, cause that, that's, that, that can be difficult. Uh, not only emotionally, but just like logistically. Sure. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I wouldn't even, I, yeah, I would never have considered that, but totally, totally mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, okay. So I have to, I, I have to touch on this. You said, you weren't you weren't sure about trials until you were. Oh, I mean, um, I had a really good semi swim. I don't think, I mean, I hadn't been under fifty one five in a while, and um, nobody else was under fifty one five. And I always kind of used that. It's a made up number, but it's kind of like fifty three zero in the hundred back. I would say. Hmm. I don't know about in terms of eliteness. That's not what I'm getting at. But like, uh, once you get under that, you can get under that. You know what I mean? And I don't know how, like, how the math makes that make sense um, or whatever. It's one of those like spiritual things. So it's like, I was kind of looking at the results from the final and being like, okay, like um, it was pretty good for me. You know what I mean? I don't mean any offense to the other six guys or the other four or, or whatever um, number amount of guys. Um, so it was like that last day. It's like, I need to have a really solid swim. And it, that's why it was hard for me not to get results oriented after the semi. Um, I say that because in 16, you know what I mean? I was like fifth <laughs> and I either swam in lane six or seven at night. I can't remember. No, Phelps was seven. So I was in lane six. So whatever, fourth. Yeah. And, um, uh, just getting to it in my head. Sorry. Um, and there was like two fifty one twos in the semi, like 16 was like crazy. You know what I mean? So that's what I meant. Like, it just wasn't the same. It wasn't the same event. Well, you know, those guys retired or, or, um, you know, Jack failed the final one. And, and things had kind of shifted, right? So, uh, yeah, that's all I meant by that. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, well, I think a lot of swimmers can relate to that mindset of once you get under X barrier, like you're there, you can, you know, you can do it again. But yeah. but crossing that threshold is much harder than than than, mm-hmm. than than actually staying there once you're there. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, dude, I worked my tail off for five years, eh, for three years. <laughs> <laughs> to drop a hundred, you know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. swimming's hard, man. It's really difficult. Um, you know, I was 51 in the trials final. And that's the fast, the fastest I've been since that is when I tied that in the trial semi and then I dropped a hundred in the final. And uh, it's a hundred flies a frustrating game, man. I mean, outside a day and a half, those are my three best times. You know, then there's a day and a half in 2015 where I go 5106, 5109 and 5103 through premium semis and finals. And those are, you know, that's the fast I've ever been. And I, I it's frustrating because it's like lack of development, always going to be frustrating. And then it's like, I feel like I'm as good as these guys, but there's so many 50 point mids now um, and faster. <laughs> so it's like, 
is you know so it's, it's hard to keep that faith and think that something might happen for you but i did do it differently this time so i was out 23 mid for the first time in my life so i have hope you know something might happen so we're you know trying to keep my head down yeah and, and beautiful place to wrap up i mean just heading into hawaii for training camp heading into tokyo for these games yeah what how are you feeling about it the, the second go around Oh, dude, I'm stoked. And I think, you know, my head's in the right place. Like I, I wanted to go for the right reasons and I was afraid to miss it for the right reasons. What I mean by that is, you know, I want to go because I want to continue this process um, with Team USA, obviously, but specifically with Bryce um, and Ryan and Andrew. Um, you know, so I, I feel for the first time in a long time where I, I was seeing something through with them on the equal level, whereas, you know, in 17 and 18, I don't think I, I didn't feel like that. And so it's, and I didn't, you know, I was afraid to miss it. Cause I was afraid I was going to miss out on the time spent with those three and Dave and, um, and of course he was swimming like, and of course all the other athletes. And I, I would love to go and I love Gunnar and I love Zach and I love Caleb and I would love to work with other flyers as much as I possibly can. But, um, and so I, it felt nice, you know what I mean? To want to go to want to spend time with these guys. And there was no like, Oh, I need to go or I need to blah, 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 like protect something or, or like achieve something. I was like, no, I want to go because I want to be with these people. I, I really enjoy this time. And um, I, I was really, I was really happy about that. That's, that's so cool. <laughs> uh, I don't know how else to say it. I thank you so much, Tom, for sharing, for sharing these thoughts, for sharing your journey over the last five years. It's, I think it's really great to get this kind of insight because it's not always something that's on the front page or in the headline. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I really appreciate you sharing and, and taking the time out of your busy week. Um, before we sign off today, just any parting thoughts for our audience? Um, I mean, get help if you need it. Um, don't ask how I asked would be my recommendation. Um, if you ask him, like uh, suicidality specifically is so hard because there's a culture around it um, and that I played into, you know what I mean? People who want to die, want to die um, is a really shitty attitude in my opinion. And, and I definitely had it uh, for a time. And that means like, if you want to try to kill yourself, you should try to kill, you know what I mean? Like, why didn't you try? Um, it's just terrible. And you get this like real bad mindset when you're treated that way or when you think about that way yourself. Um, like ask for help. You know what I mean? And, and it's, it's easier said than done um, on the receiving end of that. Cause a lot of people wouldn't, you know, oh, I feel like this. And what I mean by this, I feel like I want to kill myself. And it's like, well, you're just complaining or, you know, whatever. And um, then you try and um, this isn't what happened to me. Um, and then you might try and then people are like, oh my God, like, where was I? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, I don't know. It's this weird dynamic in this spot or in this, this, you know, however we handle suicide in this culture that, um, or suicidal ideation in this culture, that's really weird. Um, I understand it because I think there are a lot of like excuse driven um, depression statements and people definitely want to like look at everything like that. And my whole idea and my whole life, you know, like uh, a little inside baseball, but I 5150 one of my friends when I was 15, cause he said it. Um, you know, I mean, I told his parents and we called the police and it's like, Hey, look, man, if you do like in the way that I thought about it in my head, it was like, if you're doing this to be shitty and like manipulative and like try and get me to do something, you need to learn to not do that. There's only one way to do that. And if you're not lying, this is what I should be doing. 
So like there is like just 5150, just do like, I don't know. So like, I'm almost like way more on that side of the line. It's like, I think people ask for help or say things. I really do. Like whether it's esoterically or directly, like they're going to make it known um, in my experience before they do anything to somebody. Um, I didn't. <laughs> so that happens too. Um, I totally understand that. Um, but like if and when those spots come up, just 50 and 50, like it's not going to be that big a deal. You never have to publicly tell anyone you did it. And um, there is some infrastructure. It's not good. It's not the best in the world, obviously, but there's some infrastructure in this country to um, do something about it. I know this is like, <laughs> sorry, this is probably way gnarlier than you thought this sign up was going to be, but um, it's just, it, it, it's frustrating um, because like if they are being, you know, psychopathically selfish and, and they're going to learn that's not something that you can do that way. And especially with you, you're putting that boundary down. And um, if they're being honest, then you might have saved their life. So, um, you know, I, 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 I don't know. Um, I don't know. You know what I mean? Because everyone's like, oh, you know, this person tried to kill themselves as a cry for help or this person, you know, faked it or this, that or the other. And it's like, you know, I've read Durkheim on suicide. I spent the greater part of my life obsessed with suicide, um, reading about it all I could. Um, I, you know, I felt this way for a long time. Um, I don't know if that's what it's called, but it's the one where Durkheim kind of proved that more people try to kill themselves on Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday morning was for me. Um, so it's like his whole argument was like, you know, it's a function of society. He was trying to prove that sociology should exist. Um, but whatever, that's not really part of the discussion. More of what I mean is I've, I've thought about this a lot. And, um, you know, there's like 596 people in this one article I read had tried to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived, or there's been 596 people and they were successful. I forget the number, whatever. But of the people that survived, the Coast Guard rescued or that they, you know, that made it, they said, I immediately regretted it as soon as I let go. Um, to like almost to a T, none of, like almost none of them never try again. And so the way that I try to explain to people now, especially no one really says the really shitty things about suicide to you once you're publicly suicidal, because people aren't mean, but like whenever that spot comes up or if I know people who've said, you know, like, oh, this person's just doing it to be controlling or, or it's like, dude, most, in my opinion, non-scientific opinion, most suicides, successful suicides are failed cries for help. Like, obviously, yeah, there's a large number of people that shot themselves in the head. Like, that's probably the, you know, I mean, it's like, well, how is that a failed cry for help? It's like, because the people who survive and the people that do that are the people who have these survival stories. Like I walked around the city trying to get somebody to be nice to me. And if nobody was, I was going to go home and kill myself, like shoot myself in the head. Like you hear that story all the time. And so it's like that day specifically, like, or whatever you get in this weird, I mean, I, you know, I was very, very, very low on sleep and was near hallucinating. I wouldn't say I was literally hallucinating, but like you get in a really bad spot. Like where you're not like thinking at all. Um, at least for me. So I can definitely relate to like that argument of being like, oh man, like, you know what I mean? Like someone's going to come save me or, you know, I think I'm going to get closer and closer and closer and closer to this until I figure out a way to make it happen. And so I wish that like more of the conversation would shift towards that. Now I get it. I don't even know if this is going to make air and I wouldn't hold it against you guys if you cut it. Um, Cause it's so hard. It's such a gnarly, gnarly, gnarly thing. And now I probably rightfully so you guys are going to, probably put some warnings in this and I highly recommend it. Um, but I think if we're going to talk about this, let's talk about it. You know what I mean? So that's been my attitude the whole time. 
And I, I think that's a great attitude to have. And I, again, I appreciate you sharing these thoughts because I do think it's a discussion worth having. <laughs> again, we're, I, I'm just a swimmer. You're just a swimmer. We're not yeah, medical yeah, professionals, yeah, yeah. but I think it's a good, good topic to discuss and get out there in the open. So, yeah. and again, I guess if I have two more like things that I've been frustrated with since I've been public, I became public once I became healthy. And there's only one reason I did it. It was to have conversations like this. So someone else can like maybe benefit from my experience because I'm not famous. I'm not Tom Cruise. I understand that, but I get these interviews and some people look at these. So I was like, even if like a couple of people, um, blah, 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 even if one person, but, um, and since then it's been great. It's been actually surprising at how many adults relate to this um, and how many children or teenagers, you know, the, the people that follow me. I don't really have like an under 12 following, but uh, you know what I mean? Uh, like kids, yeah. now that I'm 30, I can call them kids. Um, you know, that, that didn't surprise me. I kind of thought that was going to be like the target here, but what did surprise me was how many adults relate to this or, 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 or feel this way or, or are surprised that I may feel this way. Um, so I think that's been super positive. And the other thing is um, uh, I'm not here to help you. Um, I know that's hard to hear for some people, but uh, I'm not a therapist and I don't know what you should do. It's kind of weird to say, but um, some people reach out or have this like expectation where like, oh, what should I do? It's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm not that guy. Like I have some experience here. Of course, if you run into me or if you want to pick my brain or, or if, you know, I end up replying to a message or, or, or whatever, if we have a conversation. I'd love to help you as much as I can, but I'm not a professional in this field at all. And so I think that's very important to communicate. And I should have done a better job communicating that in the lead in probably the front part of this hour. And I probably should have done a better job in November uh, or December of 2019 when I came out about it. But um, so that's probably on me uh, more than anything. But that is kind of the two parts I didn't expect in this whole experience. Man, which, which makes sense. And, you know, yeah, I think we, we, we have people in the media that, that we look up to, you know, <laughs> because they swim fast and then we think they know. All, all of life secrets about a lot of other things too. Yeah, I did this without pills because I was super afraid of them, but that doesn't mean they're bad. Um, if I probably maybe should have. Um, and I, don't, I can't answer that for everybody. You know what I mean? I cannot even really answer it for myself. All I know is what I did and what ended up happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, Tom, I appreciate you sharing these experiences with, with us. Um, it's, it's, it's always great talking and I really hope uh, things go well moving forward into Tokyo. Thank you guys so much. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.